Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone and welcome to Racing Lives. My name is Aurélie. Aurélie Donzelot, and in this podcast, I use motorsport as an excuse to chat to some of the most inspiring women I know. Each week brings a different guest, and we discuss everything from career beginnings to what it's truly like to be involved in one of the fastest sports in the world. My guest today created and runs the single-seater series that is supporting F1 for its first time this weekend. In a short few years, she's gone from having a disruptive and ambitious idea to getting on the events bill of the most prestigious motorsport championship in the world. It's not been easy, I don't think it is still, but my guest's passion, cleverness and determination has seen her through. She'll be the first one to say, as you'll hear, that she didn't do it alone and that the amazing team she's built around her has been instrumental in the series' success. One of the many things I love about this podcast is that friends now recommend guests for the show. Earlier this year, I was asked if I knew of my guest already and if I'd be interested in chatting to her on Racing Lives. As you can imagine, I said yes to both straight away and it was a pleasure to spend one morning getting to know the powerhouse that runs W Series. My guest today is W Series CEO, Catherine Bonmuir. Catherine, when and where did your racing life begin? Uh, It started in the 1970s because my father was an F1 fan and... I remember my early life just watching Formula One races along with him on a Saturday and Sunday. I had absolutely nothing to do with motorsport professionally until I started motorsport series. So I guess the big question is, how did I get from being a fan into uh, setting up W Series? And and it, it really wasn't a straightforward path at all. And and certainly was not something that I was aiming for at any point in my career. So I started off my professional career as being a solicitor that specialised in sport. And then I left the law, did a little bit of sports marketing, and then I went into the the city and became an analyst, an equities analyst covering uh, sports and leisure stocks. And Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That was a great training ground for me because basically that's taught me to read a balance sheet and look at the finances of businesses and understand the way businesses work financially. And 
then I moved into corporate finance. Um, and that really means for people who don't know, it was just I'm advising on either floating companies or buying and selling companies. So, and all of this is relevant, by the way. It's probably incredibly boring, but I'm giving you the long, boring story. So, so to give some explanation of how I got to where I am now, I had been a, a woman who had always worked hard and played very hard. And it took me until I was nearly 42 to get married. I got pregnant when I was 44 and had my first and only child at 45. And at that point in my life, there was nothing more important to me than my son. So basically, I just gave up work. There were some sweepstakes going amongst uh, my closest friends as to how long it would be before I would go back to work. And when I realised I needed to do something else, um, it was when Hamish was about two years old, I actually had really very little idea of what I wanted to do. I had this great sense that I didn't want to be an advisor anymore. I wanted to do something to do with business, you know, whatever that means. And just at that point, as I was speaking to a number of people, I had a drink with a couple of friends of mine and they mentioned uh, the subject of what about the women's only motor racing series. Um, And I've said this many times before. I thought this is a great idea, you know, caught up with initial enthusiasm because I was looking for something to do. And then I did my initial research and I thought, actually, if men and women can race equally together, that's an absolutely dreadful idea because it'll be seen as being sexist, et cetera, et cetera. Then I pressed on a bit more, possibly because there was nothing else in my inbox that was looking of any interest. And I saw that there was just this massive gender imbalance in motorsport. And certainly, and we're talking about five years ago now, I mean, the world has changed a lot in five years, but certainly five years ago, there were very few women involved in motorsport generally. I mean, I think there are a lot more now in the back rooms of motorsport, but still what is the case today is that there are very few women driving at the top level of motorsport. And that is what W Series is established to redress. And, you know, the rest is history. And that's from childhood to present time. But throughout all of that, what was your relationship with motorsport on a personal level? Were you still watching races at the weekend? Were you still keeping an eye on who was winning? And 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 was Formula One the one that you were following? Were you actually more into rally? Into you know what what was it like? I'm a massive sports fan and always have been. So when I thought that the law was rather dull uh, and uninteresting, um, I became a sports lawyer. So I was an intellectual property lawyer that leads sort of very easily into sports law. And that was because I wanted to be interested in what I was doing. And I was fantastically interested in sport and was a great fan of all different sports. So I was an F1 fan. I was a massive cricket and rugby fan. And I played a lot of netball and I rode. So I'm, I'm generally a supporter of sport. My father and I carried on watching Formula One together for, for decades, actually. We went down to Manicor together in the 1980s. You know, that was a, a wonderful weekend. And actually the only weekend that I've ever had with him, just him and me, and it was uh, as, as a result because he's dead now. It was, you know, it, it is a fantastic memory of mine. Actually, it's not the 1980s, the 1990s, sorry, that I was there. Right. But I used to watch rallying. I wasn't a, a particular fan. Um, But I just used to think, 
these guys are absolutely crazy. <laughs> I mean, I, in, in a way, is that, you know, the Formula One drivers, there's not a, I didn't feel a close personal connection with these individuals. I watched, I think, from afar. And, and I've always said one of the reasons why I like Formula One so much is because I've always loved a soap opera. And really, Formula One fused my two loves, which is one, competitive sport, and two, a soap opera. And it's always been, you know, much more than a sport, hasn't it? I've always loved the two hours of programming before the race. Absolutely. And even, and even now, you know, it, in the summer months, you know, I'll watch until the start of the race, see how it's going. And when it all settles down, I'll now go out and do some gardening listening to the race on my headphones and then rushing in when something exciting happens. But yes, it's it's really just just been as a fan. So I didn't have any particular ambitions towards motorsport at all. But I think the relevance of that rather dull introduction that I gave was that without all of being doing all of those things, without having the legal background, so understanding how to read a contract and how sport is structured. And without doing all of those years in finance, I would never have been able to set up W Series. So I've always thought that my career has been a, a bit of a failure, but actually it hasn't because I've needed to be able to do all of those different things in order to get to, to give me the experience to get to the place where I am now. I mean, actually, some people do that deliberately. I, I'm guilty of that. I absolutely built my career so that the end, end point, current point, made me the best that I could be for what I was doing. I was doing it consciously. You were doing it subconsciously. But it all leads to having a pretty great job right now, which is nice. Oh, oh it's, it, it, it's absolutely stunning. And, I mean, one of my greatest fears in life has always been being bored and possibly the best thing about w series is that in the last five years of doing w series there has not been one second where i've been bored you know it is a you know a, a constant daily challenge and possibly because you know i i haven't been steeped in motorsport throughout my life you know i i remain on this massive learning curve that at at times there has been no curve involved it has just been a vertical line Absolutely. Tell me more about the job that you currently hold, because effectively it was a, a kitchen table idea and you're now running a series which will, which is supporting Formula One this year. So put on a, a pretty prestigious platform, she says herself. I'm asking this question knowing it's not an easy answer. Can you describe your current role? It's 101 things. So I don't I don't think you could do that in five minutes. But for the people listening, the people who are targeting you as the job they want to do when they grow up. Can you describe what it's like to run a, a single-seater series on, on a global platform? Practically on a day-to-day -day basis, what one is doing is just trying to manage the narrative and actions between a whole variety of departments. So Dave Ryan um, runs our racing operations and he still laughs at me constantly when I ask him, incredibly stupid questions and he's always been uh, apart from laughing at me constantly he's very kind in in answering them in layman's terms so I will understand them so it is really understanding you know all the operational side of the business and then where I'm sitting now which is in our Victoria office you know we have a number of of 
department. So obviously we have uh, the marketing department, we have the comms department, uh, we have finance, we have legal. I'm looking out at people who are there, you know, within, um, you know, we have you know, our commercial and sales department. So that's obviously sponsorship sales, that's TV sales, that's, you know, sort of merchandising and licensing. So, you know, there is, it is really sitting above people that frequently are much more capable than I am. And they are, you know, doing this extraordinary, fantastic job. And, you know, I'm sort of hanging on in there, hoping to uh, guide the business you know, in the right direction. Essentially, you're you're making sure they have the right tools to do their job. Yes, certainly. I think that being in this sort of position, coming from where I've come from, uh, you have to have a reasonable about, amount of humility. So I have probably uh, much more robust conversations with uh, the women who run our finance departments and our legal departments, for example, because I feel uh, <laughs> much more knowledgeable in those areas. So, And because at heart I'm a, a dull lawyer, so there's nothing like, you know, arguing a point. Uh, which no one else is is um, in the slot has the slightest bit interested, but um, but I'm a former lawyer, so I like arguing a point. But it is everyone knows if you if you run a business that that it, it's always going to be full of people, hopefully, who know an awful lot more in their particular area than you do, and that's why you employ people is that you employ the best people in that particular area, and you know thankfully. You know, W Series has achieved a success and profile very early on that we can actually attract some really fantastic people. What's the biggest misconception about your job, you think? Is that it's glamorous. And uh, from where I sit, I don't quite see where the glamour is. But maybe that will all change when we, we start racing with, with Formula One. But but even at racing weekends, you know, it's always incredibly busy. You know, you're working very hard. So I think the misconception can be if someone you know, looks at me, you know, if, if I'm on the TV and I'm giving out a prize, is that maybe, you know, that, that may be something that's sort of exciting to do. But actually, possibly what they don't realise is that there have been a couple of crises that I've been dealing with before, you know, someone's um, upset about something and I'm trying to help sort that out. Or, you know, there's been some event that has happened, which means that someone can't do their job properly. I tend to get involved when things are going wrong, because, of course, if things are going right, then everyone carries on their, their merry way. So, yes, I think the misconception is certainly around glamour. I, I can already tell you it doesn't get glamorous when you get to uh, support the Formula One paddock. It's exactly the same. <laughs> it just looks Thanks. good. Thanks. I, I, I was hoping you were going to tell me I was wrong. Oh, I can already <laughs> tell you that the toilets are the same. <laughs> you mentioned giving out prizes, which actually is, is a nice metaphor for the sort of question I'd like to ask you next. You've taken on this huge project and it is going strength to strength. Everyone can see that. But how are you defining success for yourself in this project? I've been asked this question before, and I, I think I don't answer it very well, but I'm going to answer it honestly. And I do not and never have felt successful in my life. 
Um, and I think with W series, I would describe it like a constant state of climbing a mountain. Actually, a number of times you do reach the top of the mountain, but unfortunately, you're at the start of the mountain range. And so when you get and you have a big win, so for example, like in our first year, I can remember one of our enormous wins earlier on was being the only motorsport that was live on the front five channels in the UK. So this, you know, an enormous deal for us that really, you know, put us on the map and gave us a huge amount of credibility. But as soon as, you know, you tried so hard to get that deal done, and then as soon as it was done, right, that's done next, right, I've got another mountain range in front of me. And I suspect I will only appreciate any sort of success once and when it's all over. And when I mean it's all over, when I've stepped away or, you know, I'm 65 years old, which frankly isn't that that far away. And they all say, right, come on, come on, you've had enough. Come on, step aside. I'm only getting to know you now, Catherine, which is obviously a, a strange position for me to be in because normally I speak to people that I know very well. I have the sense you're never going to stop. I think you'll find a next mountain quite quickly. <laughs> I, I actually do have this theory that I can't stop because there's a huge amount of Alzheimer's in the maternal side of my family. And um, I've done a lot of research into the causes of Alzheimer's, but uh, keeping your brain active and being physically active and your mind active is incredibly important. So uh, for longevity, um, unfortunately, it, it also fits in with my character. Actually, I don't think I can stop. You've mentioned your personal life and you mentioned how important your son was and how he was a catalyst in making the decision that you made. How do you balance your work and your life? Because we all know motorsport is not a nine to five job. It's all a question of perspective because huge numbers of women, and this is fantastic for them, so that they balance it really well. I live in a constant state of angst thinking I'm not doing it well enough. So the wonderful thing, all I mean, and I'm not saying that what happened has happened in the last year is in any way is good, but a wonderful byproduct for working at home from me has been, you know, I've had the opportunity of spending much more time uh, with my son, which has been absolutely fantastic. And I think a lot of people fall into that category of seeing the plus side of, of COVID as spending you know, more time with, you know, you know my, my husband and son. And, and that's been great in the season. And you know, we've only got eight races, so heaven knows what it's like working in Formula One as a working mother. I mean, that must be incredibly tough. Um, but, you know, in season, you know, it, it, it's not great because there's time where, you know, you spend extended times uh, away from your children. And, you know, and I, I feel guilty about it. And I don't believe that that guilt is ever going to go away. But... Hopefully what I'm doing is is being a great role model for him. So, you know, in the future, he can look back and, and, and be proud of, of what we've all achieved at W Series. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know friends of mine who are in a similar situation, you know, it's the same, but they very much believe in the role that they're, that they're playing, what they're showing their children. Thank you for asking me about him because... Um, I know other people say, oh, you asked me, you're only asking me about uh, my child because I'm a woman. You would never ask a man that. Well, I'm desperate to talk about Hamish. Because, <laughs> so I'll talk about him the whole time. I have no problem. I wish more people would. So, 
<laughs> How did you have the idea of W Series? Was it sitting at home with a glass of wine as I only hope I have my next great idea? I was having a drink with a couple of people who work in Formula One and they and they said, well, what about it? Because I think it was something that they thought, you know, could be good, but they had no idea of how to start a business and how to get it financed. And, you know, make no mistake, the the first couple of years was of W Series was an, not an auspicious start. You know, it was about me drafting a business plan and repeating, you know, the same story to a huge number of people trying to get some interest because... Anyone who knows who's trying to raise money for an early stage business, it's incredibly difficult to raise money for an idea. And then it became very apparent to anyone who read the business plan that, you know, you need 20 million quid to to um, get to the racetrack. And and of course, to begin with, it's people would look at me and go, well, you know, nothing about motorsport. Why would you? Uh, we're not going to invest in you. So um, very early on in the process, I realised it was very important to to actually get some credibility because I didn't have any in, in motorsport. So that's where David Coulthard came on very early in the process. And then he introduced Sean Wadsworth, who's our cornerstone investor. And he's put a, a, a huge amount of time, money and effort into the project and energy, and most of all, energy from him. And then David also introduced uh, Dave Ryan, who I've referred to, who's our racing director, and also uh, Matt Bishop, who was our comms director, who's now the comms director of Aston Martin F1. Cognizant. Cognizant Aston Martin F1, I think is what it's called. Absolutely. And obviously was uh, um, head of comms at McLaren prior to that as well. So Yes, how long were you working on W Series? How long was it from the moment you had the idea until it became what we'd consider public knowledge? Oh, that's slightly different. So it was public knowledge was when we launched in October 2018. So I think that was probably a three-year process to get there and then to race again. That was, no, that was a three and a half year process because it was four years between me sitting down and starting to write a business plan and then getting to the track. You know, I look back at it and um, there were a number of times that I was, I was going to give up because I just thought this is, this is a great idea, but actually I've now spent too much of my life on this. And if it's not going to work, then all I'm doing is just wasting more and more of my time. And at what point do I do that? And actually, the reason why I didn't give up was was there was only one reason. And that was my husband. It's on two occasions, that I thought very, very seriously about giving up. And and he's not a sportsman at all. He's a medic. You know, he doesn't. He, or he's not a. He's not involved in motorsport or the sports industry. But he said, look, you you know, you are getting a lot of traction in this. This is a good idea. You know, don't give up now. You know, keep keep going. And, you know, thank heavens I did. Did you celebrate when the first race happened, just as the sheer result of all your hard work? Yeah, it was actually incredibly emotional. I, th- I, I cried quite a lot. So the first time I cried was when I was standing on the start line and it was a cold, miserable day in Hockenheim. 
and it was drizzling. You know, it was just a horrible, horrible day. But I was standing there on the start line and then 18 cars came round the corner and just the noise hit me. And I think it was just the, you know, the physical noise, as everyone knows who's part of motorsport, is that the noise of motorsport is is very physical as well as visceral. And uh, I found that point incredibly emotional. And then, you know, at the start, and then it was just, you know, hugging all the people who had been, you know, very close to the whole project. So, you know, you're speaking to me now, I'm the CEO, but this is this business is not about me at all. You know, W Series is, a, is absolutely about the team. You know, I've mentioned a number of people by name and all of them were vital to the, the initial success of, of W Series. And I am an equal sized cog in, in that wheel along with everyone else. So, you know, we've got you know, an incredibly exciting year ahead of us. I mean, I've only ever been to a Formula One race as, as, as a fan. And a guest. People have invited me as their guest and I've gone as a fan. You know, I've never even been into the support paddock of a Formula One event. But actually, Dave Ryan also says he hasn't either. And he worked in Formula One for, I think, about 33 years. It is going to be, again, incredibly exciting. But I suspect, apart from the emotional excitement, when that all calms down, you know, it is, it's a working weekend. I've been the support race. I think I'll probably... The slot that you'll occupy, I've been the series that was in that slot uh, and I was helping run the series. And then I've also been part of the F2, F3 paddock, whatever whatever shape or form that was taken at the time. Um, I will say it's a longer walk than you'd expect. And <laughs> but it's it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And there's something about being at a racetrack at seven o'clock in the morning before anyone else has arrived and it's your racetrack. It's quite quite special. You're the CEO of an entire series, so I suspect you have to be impartial within your own series, but what do you get competitive about? Oh, life, everything. I'm constantly wanting to bet with everyone on on anything. The smallest thing, I don't care as long as I can place bets. It's just no one no one wants to take the um, bet on the other side, which is rather unfortunate. No, I'm I'm naturally fantastically competitive. So I don't compete with my colleagues because that's obviously a, a different role. But certainly, you know, I, I want to um, place bets on the smallest of things with, with any of my colleagues. But, no, I think being competitive keeps you, you know, your mind alive, you know, keeps you busy. Um, I very strongly believe in culture at W Series and I think we have a very flat structure here is that hopefully no one treats me differently from the way that they would anyone else who who works involved in the series I mean it is I don't think I'm any more important than everyone else it's you know the importance is divided equally between every single employee of W series and to that end we are all working to you know to the same end so unfortunately people like you want to interview me because of my title but I tell you people should be interviewing the rest of the team because they're much more interesting than I am I'll speak to any of your team members that you'd like to put forward I'll be more than happy do you dislike any aspects of motorsport is there anything that you wish you could alter or better I think Lewis has got a very very good argument that motorsport lacks diversity 
And, and this is a personal passion of mine. I'm the chair of the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Committee at Motorsport UK. And I think our sport as a whole needs to be more diverse. If you look at the 70s, 80s, 90s, it was, you know, male, pale, and I don't want to say stale, but it certainly did lack any sort of diversity. Obviously, we're doing what you know, W Series is all about, the promotion and advancement of women, not, not just as drivers, but obviously also as mechanics and engineers, but you know, lots of other uh, teams, not only in F1, are, I think, you know, joining the party of what is happening in the world at large. And I went to Thruxton last year. It was under um, COVID rules, so there wasn't a crowd there. But, you know, you had very sort of quick access to all the teams. And therefore, you knew that everyone who was there was working in it. And there were masses of women involved. And there were lots of women who were in senior positions too. So I think as far as women is concerned, we are making enormous strides in motorsport and in all parts of motorsport. I think that we are still a very white sport um, and that needs to be addressed and redressed. And I think a lot of lot of activity is taking place, especially I mean under Motorsport UK is that we're we're starting to work very, very hard on that too. Because it, it's not just because it is the right thing to do. There's also a sustainability argument that in order for motorsport to be sustainable in the future, it needs to reflect uh, the, the population as a whole. And if we don't do that, then we're going to lose out massively. So it is. So I think Lewis has, has done an enormous credit to the sport to, to highlight this point. And hopefully it's not just him that is going to talk about this. It's that a lot of people are, are going to uh, move the dial on that too. I hope so. I really hope so. Thank you for saying that. It's um it's an important topic. Let's talk about stress. Completely different change of subject, but something which I'm interested in. Again, the work that you do, the project that you took on, what you've achieved. Do you feel stressed? Do you use it positively? Does it ever get too much? And how do you cope? Well, yes, I do feel stressed. The stress that I feel is probably caused by human stress. I don't get stressed by uh, a heavy workload. Oh, I haven't done 40 things. Because if you come from the legal world and investment banking world, sort of stress is part of the DNA of, of your work life. And you learn to manage it and almost relish it in a way. So now I have always been a work hard, play hard young woman. Now, unfortunately, I can't describe myself as being that. Um, so the play is much less. But I think a big de-stressor for me just on a daily basis is you know, just going out with, with colleagues after work and you know putting it into you know some sort of perspective. And instead of you know talking about work, 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 you know, the whole time you can, you know, go out you know, and over a glass of wine and, and talk about other things too. On our website, it's got one of my loves is white burgundy. And yes, that's a, that's certainly a very fine bottle. It's always a de-stressor. Okay, so how do you relax wine? 
I have two hobbies, and that is walking. I do an awful lot of walking. I love walking in the countryside. I live on Box Hill, and there is just I can walk for hours and hours and hours. And I only cross roads. I don't walk a long road. And what's my other hobby uh, is gardening. I love vegetable gardening. So I'm an extremely busy person now. We're moving closer to May, so I've got hundreds and hundreds of plants that started out as being seeds and I'm growing out. And yet those those two activities, I find, really de-stress me. I think um, what I do spend a huge amount of time doing now when I'm walking, I walk on my own because I, I, I can find very few people who want to walk as long as I do because I tend to walk um, quite long distances. Um, But I listen to podcasts the whole time. So actually, I'm quite up on my podcast. Walking and listening to podcasts is is a great thing. But what I I have done a couple of times is you get so engrossed in podcasts that you get actually hopelessly lost if if you don't know where you're going, because you're concentrating on the podcast rather than where on earth you're walking. Yes, and David Coulthard was certainly responsible once for me going, getting very, very lost. (laughs) <laughs> I love a walk and I love a podcast I definitely appreciate that thank you yeah we're coming towards the end I've just got a few more questions if that's okay and the first one I'd like to ask you is what piece of advice have you received that you've held on to throughout your career that served you and that you'd like to pass on family is more important than work so no matter how stressful how tough it gets your personal relationships and your family relationships are always more important. If work gets so stressful and so tough that it basically stops the rest of your life from functioning, then it's it's not the right job for you. You're, you're either in the wrong environment or you're not working with the right people. So there are more important things than work, even motorsport. Wise words. Um, and the people that listen to this podcast, apart from all my friends who are very supportive, are ones that I'd like to work in motorsport one day and obviously using this to find out about different jobs. So what advice would you give them if their target is motorsport? Just become the best that you can possibly be in whatever area that you want and just demonstrate to people that you want it more than anyone else. I mean, it never ceases to amaze me now on people who are looking for jobs at W Series who are already saying, oh, well, I'm, I'm only going to come into the office one or two days a week. I mean, and maybe I find that surprising because I'm so old, because I'm from much more an old-fashioned economy. But I don't think that is letting people believe that you want this job more than anyone else I'm always wanting to give the job to the person who wants it the most that's that's the bit of advice if you if you want it that much then let people know in the interview that you want to do and also you know if you've got nothing to do with motorsport then just in whatever way you can you know try and get involved in motorsport you know set up your own podcast you know there are a hundred of creative things that you can do you know you you just think laterally but use whatever is your best skill to get into motorsport because motorsport is this sort of incredibly wonderfully rich sport that allows a thousand different skills 
um, to be relevant. And you've just got to find out what your best skill is and use that to to get in. Final question, Catherine, what are you looking forward to? I am looking forward to seeing W Series uh, go through the baseball stadium in Mexico. I can't wait for it. That's going to be spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for your time today, Catherine. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. Well, thank you very much. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe via your favourite podcast platform. Leave a review if you can, tell your friends, post about it on social media. It all means so much and it really helps new people find our little podcast. I read every message and every mention, as you know, and it means a huge deal. You can also get in touch directly if you'd like via my Instagram account, which is Pandia, P-A-N-D-E-A. And there's now a link in the show notes via which you can support the podcast directly should you wish to. It takes an awful lot of coffee to make this show, as you can imagine. Thank you very much for listening and speak to you next week.